Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. This is Paul Wilson. Uh, you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. A little bit different of a format today. Uh, we were really excited. We got the opportunity to go visit WC Fab uh, actual shop location. So Chris and I, along with our producer, Justin, got to walk around the shop, uh, interview Jason and all of the Whirly Brothers. Uh, we're going to be bringing you those interviews throughout the year, so you guys are going to be hearing those segments. Jason will be our special guest today, so we'll cue that up in a minute. Uh, Chris was a little tied up, so I'm going to run through some of the uh, the rest of the show here by myself. Don't worry, guys. He will make an appearance towards the end. First off, I want to kick it out to Exergy. Uh, obviously, Exergy Performance is the home of all of our high-pressure fuel system goodies. CP3s, injectors, uh, God, even the LML inlet metering valve. Uh, I just got a question today uh, via email. Thank you. Uh, we'll be bringing, you, bringing your comments or your questions onto the show here in the future. Uh, but it was about my somebody with concern about their CP4. Uh, and they were saying, you know, hey, should I just do a CP3 swap to get rid of the CP4 altogether? I told them I really don't think so. They have an inlet metering valve. It's improved over stock. They actually call it their system saver, their their CP4 system saver. Uh, it's 240 bucks. It's a new screen that's going to protect the rest of your system. God forbid if your CP4 went out. If you match that along with a lift pump and maybe even a sump, you're still going to have less money in and a very reliable fuel system. So I think that's a great way to go for somebody who's looking on a budget who maybe doesn't want to do a 10 mil CP4 or dive all the way into, you know, well over a thousand dollars getting into a CP3 conversion. So really, really good opportunity there. Um, for their do's and don'ts section today, I'm going to be reading them both. Uh, number one for their do, do research on your problem thoroughly. Uh, <laughs> this is a fun one, and I know if Chris was here, he would pipe in on this quite quite loudly. We get a lot of guys who call in, and maybe they, they want to do a new turbo or they want to do a new transmission, and, and we start to ask them why, and what we find out is that there's really just a small problem going on, uh, you know, a small boost leak, tearing an intercooler uh, boot or something like that, and then they think they need a whole new turbo, or they got a hiccup in the trans, or they got the went into limp mode for the first time ever, and they're like, oh, that's it, just throw a whole new trans in it listen, we're never going to discourage you from making the decision to upgrade, right? <laughs> we always want to see you guys do more with your trucks. That's that's better for everybody in the industry. Uh, what we don't want to see is, is you waste your money. We don't want to see you waste your time. So if there's a small, simple fix, do your research. Do your research on the problem too. Um, when I was doing some prep for this show, I had asked Chris, hey, what's the advice you give most often? He said, don't believe everything you read on the forums. <laughs> I, I thought that really hit home for me because I, I know when I started in this industry, I read a lot of forums and I went through a lot of forum posts. And there's there's tons of great information. We don't want to discourage you from crowdsourcing, right? Like get involved in the community, get into the forums, do some research on your problem. But that's not the end of your research. Call around to a couple shops, talk to a couple guys, get some experience from different people. That's really the only way you're going to learn something. And then of course, get out there and fail. Do it wrong a couple times. Uh, the the only way to figure out how to do it right is, is to really go through a couple of those hiccups of doing it wrong. Uh, and along with that though, I think there are some obvious things you can avoid of doing wrong. Um, without it costing you a lot of money and that's that's don't that's the don't for today don't buy the cheapest <laughs> it is so rare 
that when you buy the cheapest product, you've also gotten the best deal. Generally, what happens is you're going to buy the cheapest product. It's going to fail quickly or it's going to fail expensively, and you're still going to have to go out and pay for a quality part. So at the end of the day, again, we don't want to see you wasting money uh, fixing a problem you don't need to. Uh, we also don't want to see you wasting money having to redo the job twice. This, these two tie in so well to each other. Do your research on your problem. Do your research on your products. There's a lot of really easy ways to check somebody's reputation beyond just a star review. <laughs> you know, we, we've seen companies out there who I don't know if I agree with their star rating. We see companies out there who we think their star rating is too low, you know, even if it's at five. So so there's a, there's a lot of places these days. Use the Internet, use Facebook, use Instagram. Uh, again, reach out to some of the, the bigger competitors. Uh, this is a community full of people who love to interact. So if you see somebody on Facebook and you think, wow, they're a big deal they're probably not too big of a deal to reply to you. So send them a message and, and, and get involved. Uh, that's going to lead me right into the Diesel Insights. A part of getting involved in this community isn't just competition. Uh, over at, at Duramax Tuner, we do feature a video series called Diesel Insights. It posts about every other week on uh, the Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power YouTube channels. We just did a really cool one with Nick Pregnitz, the owner, and with uh, Jamie Curley, the VP over here, who's also a previous customer, uh, a previous bully dog owner, a previous two-wheel drive truck owner. <laughs> We've mentioned Jamie before on the show. Uh, Chris's intro is not a boat mechanic, uh, but what he is is a recreational tower. And that's something that we find a lot of with, with diesel owners, guys who got their truck to not only drive it every day, but they want to use it on the weekends. Guys who not only, you know, have to use their truck for work, but they also want to pull an RV, you know, a few times a year. So this was a really great opportunity for Nick to sit down and dive deep. It's about a 20-minute video. Uh, him and Jamie go through everything about the progression of the trailers and the progression of the truck, uh, the difference between the LMM and the LML. They really had a chance to... to sink their teeth into this topic about recreational towing so if you haven't checked it out jump on youtube it's available as of today uh, you guys will be able to see that live speaking of seeing it live uh as i had mentioned at the top of the show chris and i had that chance to get over to whirly custom fabrication uh go around and talk to all the whirly brothers talk to all the departments see that this massive operation they have going on uh, there i'm going to kick it over to myself chris and jason talking live at the shop We are live at the WC Fab Shop, and yeah. by live I mean we are here and alive. Not you're listening to this in real time. We're like in like this like uh, lunch coffee room style area. Uh, we took the truck, you know, an hour to get here from our shop. Yeah, so. the nicest shop break room I have ever seen, Jason. Uh, the new the new building. That's what we're talking about today. Th this is actually the office break room. The actual lunch room is upstairs above us. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so much to see. It's gorgeous inside. It's going to be intense. There, there is uh, now. This is. Your third, your third move? Yeah, we've been pretty consistent about every three years of outgrowing our buildings. So in May of 2018, uh, we made the move here to DeKalb. Uh, we upgraded to a 35,000 square foot facility um, from our previous 22,000 square foot facility in Sycamore. So we're hoping this one lasts us a little bit, a little bit longer than, <laughs> than the last two did. Well, it's well, definitely, you know, I, 
I had the luxury. I've been to the first two shops, you know, over the course of your business and growing. And this is definitely by far the most impressive, <laughs> you know, just uh, walking into, you know, the customer lounge area and stuff like that. And all the powder coating assorted colors and all the cool hats and, and things and shirts that you have on display up there. It's definitely an inviting, warm feel walking in the door. Yeah, yeah. When we uh, when we moved in here, there wasn't much of a waiting room or office area. Really, it was more of a big warehouse. So um, when we moved in, we actually started construction on on this new office area here, kind of where we're sitting now. Um, and it uh, created three three more offices, a receptionist area, a little kitchenette, bathroom, and a, and a waiting area for the customers that are hanging out for their trucks getting worked on or people coming and picking parts up. And like you mentioned, we got all the powder coat samples up there and apparel and gear and all that cool stuff. Very cool. Awesome, man. Well, guys, let's uh, take off into the shop and see what this place is all about. All right, so we're actually into the shop now. Uh, Jason, the first thing I see is is the lifts. Chris and I were just standing in that break room before you came in, and we're like, where's the lifts? Where do they actually work yeah, on right, trucks right. around here? Yeah, uh, so it, it was right next to us. So the, so the new shop is kind of split up into a couple different divisions, uh, just like we've done in our previous shops. And on the one far end of the building is uh, essentially where all the mechanics work, where we have most of the lifts. Uh, the central part of the building is the CNC shop and the fabrication shop, where we also have a couple lifts uh, where we work on uh, the one-off project, the conversion swaps, the truck pulling, uh, the drag race, the, the competition type stuff uh, that's getting a lot of fabrication work done to it, or the R&D projects where we're working on new product and developing new stuff. Um, and then from there, we move to the other end of the shop into uh, the powder coat uh, area as well as the shipping receiving area. Okay. So what we'll do here, I guess, uh, the office being centrally located, we'll, we'll go down to the end here where the mechanics are. And uh, we'll start on that end, show you around, and work our way to the other end of the building. Love it. Let's, Let's go. go. All right. So down here, uh, essentially, we call it the performance shop, uh, where we do any of our performance part installs, repairs, services, things like that. So. Got a few trucks in here today, actually a couple in here uh, doing some R&D work on, on some new kits. Uh, we got a 5.9 Cummins in here working on some some new product for the older models. Uh, got another truck in here getting a built motor, built transmission, turbo system, fuel system, and that'll probably be headed uh, back up to Calibrated when it's done to get some dyno tuning. Love it. And uh, another truck in here for uh, fuel system replacement, uh, CP4 failure, so getting the whole, whole nine yards for a new fuel system. Um, got one of my L5P, uh, the new regular cab shop truck. Uh, actually just finished installing our prototype S400 single turbo setup on. Um, so getting that thing dialed in here and uh, that'll probably also be headed up to Calibrated shortly for uh, <laughs> some, some dyno runs. I love it. I love it. Now how many bays do you have back here? How many lifts do you have? Uh, so we've got four lifts. Um, we can fit about 15 trucks in here if you really squeeze them in, but there's usually anywhere from Five to ten trucks being worked on a part in progress at most times back here. Okay. Sure. Whether it's for uh, R&D or repair work or our own personal projects, uh, development things, things like that. So One of the questions <laughs> I get from a lot of our listeners that are kind of maybe not new to diesel, but really passionate about doing kind of shade tree mechanic and how to grow. Now, you're somebody who has come out of doing this as a side project. I mean, even just out of it being a hobby and then a side project and then a business and now up to your third building of, you know, 30 some thousand square feet. What are some of the things that are important about the performance shop as you were laying this new design out? Well, yeah, I mean, to answer your first question, I mean, my whole business really started on me buying my first diesel and tinkering with it. So, you know, the mechanic side of things, we were pretty much myself and all my brothers were all pretty mechanically uh, involved. And, you know, I would say we're all pretty decent mechanics. We've all been working on our own shit for as long as we can remember. 
So, uh, yeah, the mechanic part of the shop is very important in both the R&D and development side of things, as well as, you know, the inst installing the parts that we manufacture. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that, that will drive the distance and travel halfway across the country or all the way across the country uh, just to come to our shop to have us install our own product. And, you know, they're excited about that. So, you know, we've got several techs here, as well as uh, a guy that just focuses in the clean room, building the transmissions and the engines, and, um, you know, keeping things going there. So, uh, one of the most important things that we had here with laying out the new shop versus our old shop is the old place just really didn't work out very well as far as the layout goes. Getting trucks in and out and moving things around, it was really cramped and pretty much a pain in the ass. But we dealt with it for a couple years because it's what we had and, and we made it work. Uh, but the new place, we were able to get a door on both ends of the mechanic shop. So you're able to drive through the place. You're able to maneuver trucks in and out much easier, whether it's a dead truck having to move around with a forklift mm -hmm. or a truck that does operate. Um, you're able to move through the shop and, and get things in and out much easier and uh, much more organized, that's for sure. Well, you know, efficiency times money. Yeah, you know, efficiency, no doubt. Because well, a, lot, a lot of trucks will, you know, get taken apart and potentially sit while it's getting something new done to it or waiting on product or, you know, things like that. Gotcha. Okay, so actually planning for some of those things, seeing some of the struggles that you've had in the other shops and saying, okay, these are some of the things we can do to hedge our batter. These are some of the things we can do to kind of prepare ahead of time. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the one would, other thing, go ahead, kind Chris. of touch on this. So we're, we're sitting in, you know, like you said, the, the, the shop area. You have a lot of, like, storage, a lot of, you know, unique shelving and pathways under like you've utilized the space in a really really good way yeah so. it was it was one big open warehouse essentially you know the, the building we're standing in right now this section of the building is uh 200 feet by 100 feet and we wanted to divide it up to separate the area so so one section of the shop's mess didn't uh, transform into another section of the shop so you know as as chris mentioned he noticed our our pallet rack wall which not only is it a dividing wall for the two parts of the shop it's also a nice storage area but it's not your conventional solid wall that would, you know, block visual or, or noise or anything. You know, you can still, it's still one big open shop and it's just this uh, little bit of a breakup here to, to separate the two divisions of the shop and keep the mechanics mess in one area and the fabrication <laughs> shop and the CNC guys uh, on the other side, you know, separated from them. Now, Absolutely. one of the things that you mentioned too, you know, the, the L5P with the, the single kit, right? Yeah, what yeah, if you wanna walk over yeah, there, we can yeah, take a look at that. I know that's kind of a big talk these days. <clears throat> So we've got the, the crew cab, um, which we put the twin turbos on. That was a couple months ago now. That one's not here right now, but uh, we had that up at the shop and we obviously we've had that on the dyno and, and set some horsepower numbers with that L5P project there. And been continuing to lead the way with the L5P development. Um, so we bought the regular cab. This is gonna be our race truck essentially. And uh, right now we've got the factory VGT charger torn off of it. And we have a S467 uh, FMW uh, Borg Warner single turbo setup on it right now. This is our prototype kit, uh, three and a half inch Y bridge, um, custom pedestal. The turbo actually sits at a little bit of a twisted angle, yeah. uh, similar to what you would think of when looking at uh, a six liter Power Stroke from uh, from back in the day. Um, so it's a little little different than your conventional uh, Duramax single turbo setups. Um, so this one we just recently got put together here, and and we're excited to start running it through the ringer and and get it down the racetrack and, and probably be uh, laying down some numbers there and get it out for the, the diesel days at Byron here, coming soon here in the spring. And uh, get some testing done on it and 
get ready to get it out in the market, hopefully. Very cool. It's a very clean, very subtle. It, it's a, it's very simplistic. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, compared to it's, some of the other Duramax kits. Well, that well tell us a little bit more about about having it cocked there at an angle. What what were some of the problems or some of the benefits of why you guys uh, are are in that kind of layout? So so the reason for the the angled turbo position. Um, so for since we're not on video here, I'll explain it. The compressor wheel actually points at the passenger side headlight, and the turbine wheel would essentially be pointing if the firewall wasn't there at the driver. Um, so it's, it's cocked about 45 degrees from the conventional position of a normal Duramax single setup. And the main reason for that is with the L5P, you know, GM's redesign of this engine, the Y-bridge is theoretically, it's, it's a real Y-bridge now. The thing actually looks like a Y. It's, it's got two separate intake uh, port inlets on each cylinder head versus the center Y-bridge coming in the middle and then dividing. So with the design of this new Y-bridge um, on the L5P, it really doesn't allow us to point the turbo straight forward, especially this size of a turbo. If it's a small VGT or, or factory style turbo, that's a different story. But the big S400, we had to cock it sideways in order to get the five inch intake and still clear the Y bridge um, with the, the way GM designed the two intake runners. And then a nice thing GM did allow us for here is, you know, conventionally on the older Duramaxes was just three inch intercooler pipes. We're actually running a full three and a half inch intercooler pipe from the uh, intercooler outlet on the passenger side all the way to the bridge is full three and a half, and then it, and then it splits down into two three-inch runners, one into each intake oh, wow. port. So it's it's quite the upgrade on the intake yeah, track definitely. side of things compared to previous model years. Uh, does that mean, can you, can you kind of break that down for our newer listeners? What's the benefit of all of that excessive amount of air? Because that's a lot more cubic inches of air being able to flow through the engine, right? So yeah, what's the so, benefit to somebody in that situation? So obviously boost is just a measure of restriction. So if we can get more air into the motor with less restriction, you're, in most cases, almost all cases, you're going to make more power. So the larger intercooler pipes, the, the, the more flowing bends, and the less drastic turns and edges that you have to make um, is going to reduce restriction. So essentially less boost, you can still make more power. Again, boost is a measure of restriction. So a setup that makes 50 pounds of boost, but it's super restricted, you could put higher flowing pipes on that setup, make 40 or 45 pounds of boost, and, and still, make and still make more the same or more power. And smoother um, power band as well, as far as Exactly, how and a less aggressive curve. curve, you know, a more gradual, more, more a, a smoother curve. So GM really did their homework when they redesigned the L5P, as far as the intake runners go, all the way down into the cylinder heads, um, I know <clears throat> there's been a lot of talk. I know past shows we've had other people on here uh, talking about the L5P cylinder head design and how much different they are compared to previous years. And, and the runners themselves that GM designed uh, are really improved and it's really allowed us to improve on our, on our piping designs uh, feeding them. So it's going to be a, I mean the L5Ps in general, I've got two of them and they're animals. Like yeah, they, they, are, <laughs> they are by far the, the funnest generation Duramax as far as the the quickness of spool up and and they're just they're just animals in the torque department all across the one range. Of, one of the wild. things that I made comments on one of the first one of the first twin turbo trucks I drove was your gold brown Denali, your eleven twelve. Yeah, LML, okay. that was uh, the LML that we developed our um, original LML twin turbo yes. kit on back in two thousand thirteen. When Pete used to work for you, you're one of your old mechanics. Yep. I was in that truck, drove that truck, and it was it was impressive, right? And fast forward five, six years, your L5P, you know, I've had the luxury of being Did you get a chance to drive that, that one? 
the L5P is definitely a force to be reckoned with. And when you're talking stock S400, you know, twin turbo systems and things like that, there, there's listeners. We have guys. You have the guys that are like, oh, I just want twin turbos, and that's kind of the setup to have. And then there's other guys like, oh, I never want to put a stock turbo in the valley. I want to do S3, S4, S4, S4. You drive one of those trucks with a stock S4 setup on it, it is like nothing else. It, it truly is. Yeah. Uh, actually, our producer, Justin, and I got to take it out as well for yeah. some photos. And, oh, everyone's uh, driven it, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't tell you? No, oh. that's all right. I kind of expected. You heard it here first. <laughs> when, when I, this is also When the truck was gone for three weeks, done. I figured everyone's yeah. had their fair share of rounds yeah. in it yeah. and gotten to experience it's it. Just, it's really, but I mean, even the trucks in stock form, you know, you, you get guys, you know, we get guys on the phone, you know, and uh, yeah. I do at the shop. And the L5P is definitely the predecessor of, you know what I mean? Anything that GM has produced or the LML in general, you know? So yeah, yeah, it, it's impressive. I think we'll all be really interested to see where we go from here in, in the diesel market. Um, you, you know, now that we're getting into the S four hundreds on the L five P, which I know is something a lot of people are excited for. Uh, what does that twenty twenty look like? You know, they're talking right. about ten speed transmissions and things well, like we're that. We're excited to get one of those in here. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have one on order as soon as I can, no doubt about it. We'll, we'll what are, what are your thoughts coming into the that ten speed transmission? Are you excited? Um, are you nervous? Well, I will say, RJ, he's our uh, our clean room technician. He does all the Allison builds here. I know there's there's a lot of skepticism on it. There's not a ton of information out there on them either. So we're pretty uh, pretty excited to get one in. I I hope they're tough and they can you know maybe withstand the 600 horsepower or seven 650 with without having to be built. But we won't know until we turn up turn one up and and see yeah. what fails and and get one apart and see what we can do to make them better. So it's going to be an all new platform. It's going to be interesting. And that's something that you touched on that I you know kind of elaborate a little bit more. You know guys calling to the shop. I'm sure you have the same thing. You're investing the money into a new truck and essentially turning it up and risking all of that to have the R&D and understand. Well, let's just put this in perspective. How long did your stock transmission in the L5P last? <laughs> well, it was uh, driven by a couple other people at your shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, actually, the the L5P, uh, we, we got that tuned. Um, you know, one of the one of, it was essentially one of the first tuned L5Ps out there. Yep. And it was on the dyno, I think, before it did anything else and yeah they laid into it and we realized how much torque they were making pretty quick and the allison wasn't happy let's put it that way i mean just yeah. to recap too that truck made with the stock turbo when we when it was pushed like 1400 foot pounds oh no we actually we broke 1500 foot pounds with that setup or no you're right no, it was stock, 1480 stock turbo when no, it was no stock compounds. turbo um when we were testing with our intake horn and just max effort like to the limits like don't ask me what the egt's were right. because you don't want to know and i don't want to know <laughs> they were extreme but pushed to the absolute limits like we weren't getting anything more out of this it was just shy of 1500 foot pounds and 625 horse and that was at like 2,000 or 1,900 RPM. Yeah. So we weren't really totally dragging it down, but it was down there. I mean, but that's a that's a lot of load on the train. I mean, yeah, that's, that's it a big definitely deal. has the ability to put well over 1,500 foot-pounds of torque down in the uh, let's say 1,700 RPM range. Yeah. So yeah, uh, falling back, uh, the Allison was not happy. How many miles were on the truck at that point? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think it might have a three-digit number for sure. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I've had the truck, I bought the truck brand new in 17. We did all of our R&D on all of our other product that we've had available for the last couple of years. The truck might have had 20,000 on it. Okay. Okay. Now the regular cab we're looking at here, this thing's only got uh, 3,500 on it. So okay. that's a different okay. story. Yeah, and yeah. It doesn't have a trans in it yet. We got the, uh, the uh, um, cooler solenoid in the, in the transmission for the line pressure increase. And we got the S400 on it. I got a set of 100 over uh, prototype injectors from Exergy ready to go in it, but we're going to run it with stock injectors and 
and just the uh, line pressure increase in the trans and, and see how she holds up for a while. Very cool. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Um, okay, clean room is the other thing I want to talk about here. Uh, this yeah. is something we're starting to see in more and more performance shops, uh, guys having to build out and spec out a clean room. What was what went into designing this uh, this room over here? Yeah, so uh, it is becoming more and more common. Uh, you know, just like your machine shops out there, um, cleanliness is a big thing. And you guys know about this, you know, at, at your own shop. You guys have a transmission uh, builder there full time and you got your clean room. And, you know, anytime you're assembling components, engine transmission related, it's super important, the cleanliness um, on not only tearing down the dirty unit, but cleaning it in order to go back together. Um, and the final assembly process, you know, the rubber gloves, the blue shop towels, the no lint, the yeah. nothing, you know. Um, <clears throat> So we had it. We did have a clean room at the old shop. It was just, uh, you know, it was small. It was like 15 by 15, maybe if that. <laughs> and uh, you're lucky to get, you know, two transmissions in there. And and when you're building two or three or four a week, it's uh, on top of engines. It got to be pretty busy. So when we moved into the new shop here, we built a bigger clean room, uh, 25 by 30, I think, is what it is. Um, we got our ultrasonic parts cleaner in here. Got two tear down, uh, two assembly benches. We do all the tear downs outside the room to keep uh, the grime and grease from the teardown because they're usually always a mess. Uh, run through the parts washer out there and then <clears throat> the, uh, the cases will get painted and ready to come back in the clean room at that point and go through reassembly. So yeah, we got our, our shelves here stocked with all the components, all the kits and all the new uh, OEM parts from Allison, you know, the sensors and solenoids and pressure switches and wire harnesses and bearings and all that good stuff. So yeah, when the transmissions are going back together, um, it's essentially, not just a, you know, we're not a kit installer. We don't just install a Suncoast kit and send you on your way. It's a fully torn down inspected unit with all new bearings, seals, components, uh, electronics. You know, it's, it's a remanufactured high performance transmission. You're getting a new transmission with full warranty and, you know, the best of all OEM and aftermarket components essentially. Very good. I love it. Okay, guys, and that's going to be our From Facebook uh, with WC Fab this week. We are going to dive into some really technical questions with Jason, uh, Ryan, and the rest of the Whirly Clan over there. This is definitely going to be one of those fun, uh, ongoing kind of projects that we get to hear more and more from them. And, of course, we'll be bringing Jason on the show directly uh, so he can answer some of the questions that he's been getting on his Facebook page. For today, this has been Paul Wilson, and you guys heard Chris Emke and Jason earlier. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTutor.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and great customer service, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. Paul, you're on the end are you not listening? Goddamn. <laughs> You're just making more I edits. we'd work our way to the end. No. All right. This is the beginning. <laughs>